from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. A new week is upon us. Super Bowl week, everybody. And for the first time in a long time, I have my co-host back today. John DeShazer's with us in Studio B on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. Producer Dan's across the uh, table here. Man in the controls. And we're set to go for uh, some good shows this week. Obviously, we've got lots of Pelicans to talk about. The Super Bowl as well. We'll wrap up the Senior Bowl. There's a lot going on. And, uh, well, the Pro Bowl was yesterday, J.D., and I know that you and I were working Pelicans uh, broadcast last night, but uh, did you did you know that the Pro Bowl was happening yesterday? Well, yeah. Had I not been working, <laughs> I would have paid strict attention to it because uh, it's one of the things that I do when I want to take a nap. No, I, I can't watch the Pro Bowl. I mean, I mean, it's – you know, I think uh, it is well documented that it is probably the worst of all the all-star games. I mean, you've got guys, it's postseason, nobody wants to get hurt. Now, I think it was a little bit more competitive yesterday from what I have heard and read. But as far as actually sitting down and watching it, no, that no, no, no. Uh, Drew Brees did throw a touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham, uh, which seems fitting. And uh, what was it, Team Rice? Well, Drew Drew stacked his guys. It was Team Rice. Now, Drew was the captain of his team, and I do know this much. You know, you get to draft, and uh, I know he drafted his two offensive linemen, Ben Grubbs and Jari Evans, as two guards. Obviously, if he throws the touchdown to, to Jimmy Graham, he drafted Jimmy on his right. team, too. So, right. Drew Drew, you know, Drew was the captain, so he had enough sense to stack it with his own guys, and I would imagine that he probably had Cam Jordan on his defense also. So, you know, give you know nobody has ever accused Drew Brees of not being a smart fellow. This, this so is true. you know, so familiarity, you know, you you get that much. You get the guys in the room that you used to playing with. So yeah, it's it's good to see that he uh, stayed loyal to his guys. Yeah, and Cam did get a sack yesterday in the game, but that's about all I know about the Pro Bowl. So we can push that aside. Today's show is pretty good. We've got Jared Bell, the uh, National Football League columnist for USA Today. He is in New York and is the first of our guests from New York this week. Uh, help us uh, get the uh, stage set here for the Super Bowl between Denver and Seattle. That's on today's program. Uh, you were at the Senior Bowl last week. We got some reports from you uh, kind of on site. We're going to wrap up the Senior Bowl this week with uh, Phil Savage, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's on the show today. And then Anthony Davis, too. J.D. sat down with him post game last night after a monster night for number 23 as the Pelicans beat the Orlando Magic. Don't look now, but the Pelicans have won three of their last four. And uh, you may have heard this on the broadcast last night. The uh, Pelicans have played the third toughest schedule so far in the NBA. This is based upon opponents' win percentage. Now, uh, starting with last night, now through February 22nd, they're going to play the third easiest schedule uh, based on opponents' winning percentage. So, winners of three of the last four. Uh, John, maybe the Pelicans even shorthanded if they if they play as hard as they did uh, in the three wins uh, last week uh, might be able to make some noise and get back up close to 500 here in the next uh, three to four weeks. Well, you said the key words right there, baby. Play as hard as they did uh, on these last couple of occasions, and that's been, you know, really the kind of bugaboo with this team. You know, they'll have lapses, 
and there simply isn't the depth and talent level there to have lapses and have dips. You know, we've seen some third quarters where, you know, they really hadn't, you know, put it together. But when they are able to put it together and play a complete game, you know, we saw, you know, some pretty decent results in Detroit and again uh, last night against Orlando. So, you know, when the schedule eases up a little bit for them here in the near future, maybe they will have an opportunity to climb a little bit closer to 500, maybe climb toward that eighth playoff spot in, in the Western Conference. And, you know, that's what you're hoping for, especially with a team as depleted by injury as this one is. Yeah, Pelicans won it last night 192. Uh, the Pelicans bench outscored the Magic bench 42 to 8. Tyreek Evans came back from uh, illness and dumped a 23 on Orlando last night. He was pretty spectacular. And then Davis, whom we'll hear from here in just a moment, had 22 points, a career-high 19 rebounds, and seven block shots. Unbelievable. It really is. Um, while Agenza started, he only played uh, almost eight minutes, did not score, but then 14 each from Gordon and Roberts in that win last night. Pelicans now stand at 18 and 25. They'll travel later today. Uh, to uh, Cleveland, Ohio. They've got the Cavaliers tomorrow night and then the Timberwolves Wednesday night. So can't wait for the weather uh, as the Polar Express continues for yours truly. Uh, so I'll be in the thick of it. Here in New Orleans, you're going to get ice and snow tomorrow, J.D. Yeah, wherever I am, it's cold. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I, I'm not going on a road trip. It's cold. So I'm here and I'm thinking, you know, it might be a little balmy, a little, you know, and today isn't too bad, even though it's supposed to rain. Then all of a sudden here comes the ice and the sleet and the snow and all that kind of stuff. I can't catch a break with this weather. No, no. And, of course, the Super Bowl week, we're going to talk about weather for sure, right? Because yeah, Because the game's exactly. outdoors in, yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah. So uh, weather and sports colliding here for us uh, this week and starting here on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. What else? Anything else on our minds today? No, I can't think of much else. I mean, you know, outside of seeing the Pel- – you know, Anthony Davis, I would like to revisit that because, I mean, we, we're we seeing him do things that you've seen, you know, Hall of Fame type guys do. You know, you mentioned his first 100 games where only five guys since 85-86 had 100 steals and 200 blocks, and one of those guys happened to be, you know, David Robinson and, and those kinds of figures. Now he's being mentioned in the same sentence with – and when you see him do a 22-19 and seven game like he had last night against Orlando – you don't get the impression that this is an outlier, that it'll take him 50 games to do that again. That's something he can do tomorrow, you know, and you like to see that kind of progress out of him because right now he's he's scoring and they're not being a whole lot of isolation plays for him. You know, he's a guy who's learning to play, who, who defends better on ball now as well as his help side. And, you know, he's just a terror on the boards. You can't keep him off the glass when he's determined to get there. So, you know, he, he doesn't have a 2020 game yet, but, you know, you you feel one of those on the horizon. Or, you know, you could see him put up a string of 20-point, 20 re- 20 you know, 12-rebound, five-block games, those kinds of things. So, you know, it's really fun to watch him play. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, I can't wait to see what's next. That's the kind of player he's becoming, uh, that's for sure. And he's he's got plenty of natural attention, and hopefully it's enough attention to get him – on the Western Conference All-Star team. We'll know that on Thursday, uh, and then we'll review all that on Friday. Whether he makes the team or not, it's worthy of conversation on Friday's Black and Blue Report, no doubt. Um, Still to come, as we mentioned, Jared Bell from USA Today, John's visit with Anthony Davis from last night, and then Phil Savage, the executive director of the uh, Senior Bowl uh, that wrapped up at Mobile over the weekend. So a good show for you here on this Monday. Uh, Last night's game tip-off at 5 o'clock, so I got home at a reasonable hour. Fighting a cold, I climbed into bed and then said I'll fall asleep watching the Grammys. It didn't take long to fall asleep. A very underwhelming Grammys show last night. See, I'm not much of a Grammys fan. You know, when they show the commercials between acts and everything and they reel off, like, the next, you know, group of people who are coming up, 
and there's like eight of them, and I don't know seven of them. It's hard for me to keep my attention span riveted to it. So, you know, I think I – what did I end up watching? I think I was watching like uh, League Pass, and I was watching, you know, Portland or, or Denver or Golden State or somebody. I was watching a game instead of watching the Grammys because I can't really get into it. I, I was hoping to to see some, you know, lewdness maybe, and uh, that didn't come around. So, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I, it doesn't hold my attention because, like I said, I don't recognize who's singing. So I, I got uh, no, I got no concept. Yeah, they ran some folks out there who shouldn't be run out there anymore. Uh, that happened last night, and as you said, there were a lot of folks. I'm like, and I looked at my wife and said, "This is who," and she just yeah. said, "You're just getting old." So yeah, the yeah. Last great Grammy performance I saw was Bruno Mars, which was a year or two ago. And by the way, I know he's taking some heat on this. I think Bruno Mars is going to knock it out of the park. Halftime at the Super Bowl. I'm just. Oh, I'm there's just no you. doubt. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. All right, so we better get to it. Uh, Pelicans winners last night. We're going to talk about that with Anthony Davis here in just a moment, and then stay tuned for Jared Bell uh, after that from New York. Uh, he's there to cover the Super Bowl. This is the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and fans, Saints and Pelicans fans. With JD, I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll bring in Anthony Davis in just one quick minute. Your mission, win your share of up to $3 million in free play and prizes. M-Life presents License to Thrill, only at Beau Rivage. You could win a trip to London, even a new Mercedes E350. Drawings every Thursday and Saturday. Up to 800 winners. So play for the thrill. License to Thrill. You belong at the Bow. CM Life Desk for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-777-9696. Are you ready for health care reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health care reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. 90 seconds to play. Pelicans lead by six, trying to go for back-to-back wins. Let's see the last three. Davis down the way on the street and roll, takes it, it's Tomahawk, dumps it on. Oh, that's roll man stuff right there. Oh, my goodness. 22 and 19. That was the exclamation point last night on Anthony Davis's night and a Pelicans win over the Orlando Magic. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As you mentioned, Davis last night just... All-star type numbers, 20, oh, not all-star, all-world type numbers last night. 22 points, 19 rebounds, 7 block shots in about 42 minutes of play last night. Pelicans won it 100-92. My co-host John DeShazer was in the locker room after the ball game last night and sat down with Mr. Davis. Thanks, Kel. Uh, here with Anthony Davis after a monster game, 192 win over Orlando. AD with 22 points, 19 rebounds, 7 blocks. But, of course, we got to ask you the first thing. You got to name that thing you did to Glenn Davis. I know you guys don't like to brag about what you do to fellow pros, but what was that? Um, I just did my job. You know, B-Rod was going down the lane, um, set the screen, you know, uh, and held the screen so he can, you know, get in the lane. And um, it was there all night. You know, he found me, and you know, I was missing layups that I should have been making all game. And just try to go up strong, you know, and finish the play. Now that's three wins in four games for the Pels. Not to say that you guys have turned the corner, but do you kind of see the light now? That have you guys kind of figured it out? I mean, you've been shorthanded for a while, but now three wins in four games. Uh, we're just trying to continue to compete. You know, uh, we can't stop here. We got to build on this. 
you know, uh, it's been it's been rough for us, you know, injuries, you know, um, close games losing them, you know, so uh, you know it, it's it's huge for us, but we got to continue to build on this and not let this get to our head. Now we've seen you have some monster games already this season, but you know, twenty two with nineteen. One rebound shot of your first twenty twenty game. Does this one, I guess, rank among those or above those? Or uh, I mean, it's good because we got the win. So you know, if we would have lost, then it probably would have been at the bottom. You know, uh, but we got the win. So I mean, you guys can rank it. I mean, I'm not sure what I do. And again, I just go out there and play. You know, but uh, it definitely, it definitely feels good to win. You know, um, on top of the game. You know that I had. Now we've heard you talk about the All Star Game and that you know you wouldn't mind playing in the game. Certainly, you seem to have carved out a niche among the the elite players in the league. A, a member of Team USA in the last couple of runs. Um, you know, do you feel like you've earned that position, or you know, does it matter to you one way or the other? It really doesn't matter. You know, I just like I said before, I just want to get more wins for the team. You know, um, you know, it's good that we're starting to win now, and you know, I love that. You know, and um, you know, it's, that, it's definitely a good feeling. You know, and if I if I make it, you know, All Star Game Team USA. I mean, it'd, it'd be awesome. You know, I know there's a lot more opportunities for me to do that. You know, especially you know me being at a young age, and um, you know, I just continue to try to have fun and um, try to get more wins for the team. You know, uh, you know they could depend on me a lot. You know, to get them going, and um, it's a lot of responsibility, and, and I'm willing to accept that challenge and uh, you know continue to doing the things that I can do to help the team win. Now, heading into this game, you guys have played the third most difficult schedule in the NBA. Now, from here till February 22nd, you'll play the third easiest schedule. Is this an opportunity to kind of, you know, climb your way back to 500, or, you know, do you look at it that from that standpoint? We got to continue to build, you know, what we're doing now. You know, uh, doesn't matter who we play. You know, it got to be about us, you know, defensively and running our sets hard, you know, cutting hard, you know, um, making shots. You know, it's all about us, no matter who steps on the floor with us. Um, we got to do the things that um necessary for us to win. Thanks, AD. I appreciate it. All right, back to you, Kel. All right, guys, thank you very much. The Pelicans back in action tomorrow night, 6 Central, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll have a broadcast for you not only on the Pelicans radio network, but also television coverage on Fox Sports New Orleans. I was told to bring a winter coat by the Cleveland folks earlier today. I shall do so, as the temperature may not get above zero, as they tell me, when we visit the Cavaliers and the Q uh, later on today and then for a ball game tomorrow night. Jared Bell is our guest next. He'll talk Super Bowl from New York with us right after these messages. NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans with an exciting lineup. The BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge is your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. On Friday, February 14th, the New Orleans Arena will play host as the rookies and sophomores team up to battle for bragging rights and make a name for themselves in the Big Easy. Tickets are on sale now through NBAevents.com for as low as $10. BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge. Your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. The Pelicans Valentine's 3-Game Flex Pack, presented by Woodhouse Day Spa, is a great gift for the basketball lover in your life. This limited-time offer includes two tickets to any three games of your choice on the Pelicans schedule, including matchups against the Clippers, Thunder, and Heat. Packages start as low as $54, plus the first 200 packs purchased will include a $25 gift card to Woodhouse Day Spa. So call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your Valentine's 3-Game Flex Pack today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report with John DeShazer. I'm Sean Kelly, and uh, it is Super Bowl week, so we thought we'd kick it off at the at the very top. We've got the NFL columnist from USA Today. Jared Bell is our guest today, making a repeat performance uh, 
our engagement, I guess, here on the Black and Blue Report. Hello from New Orleans, Jared. I hope New York's treating you well. Yeah, so far so good. Um, I like New York, and I've always liked coming here, um, you know, in short blasts, okay? Uh, but a week here, I could do this, okay? okay. I don't want to see New York as a, a city that's in the rotation like New Orleans and Miami and hopefully one day San Diego again. But to, to break from the pattern, I like it. I love New York, too, but I've got to ask you, Jarrett, logistically, how are they getting – we're not talking about a downtown stadium here. We're talking about a stadium that's over the river and not through the woods but through the swamp out to MetLife Stadium. Uh, the logistics of moving media, fans, personnel, and teams around Manhattan uh, on a daily basis, how are they going to pull this off? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a daily challenge, and that's you know one thing that as the uh, week approached, there was just so much – to talk about in terms of the transportation issues. And so far, so good. But like I said, it's early in the week, so as far as the media is concerned, they have police escorts for the buses, and that's huge, trying to go through the Lincoln Tunnel, okay, with three buses. And obviously the teams will have escorts as well. So I think that's pretty well organized. Beyond that, when you just talk about, and most of the people will come to town in terms of the visitors who come in for the game and the parties and all of that, that'll happen more later in the week. But New York is used to large crowds. And once you get into Manhattan, you can walk, you can taxi, you can take a train, the subway. So there are ways to get around. I, I don't sense that people are just going to be stuck somewhere, unable to. To, to move. And, and we even saw some of that in a place like Miami, for example, where the traffic was just bad and they didn't have the public transportation. So I think actually New York has uh, a benefit that a, a, another city, say like in Indianapolis, doesn't have because they're used to crowds and there are a lot of things to do in the, a very small area, square footage-wise. How do they make a city of six million people and a million things to do feel like a Super Bowl city where it's the center of attention? You know what? Somebody was telling me, one of the hotel employees, saying, hey, this is different because we know it's different. It's We get events all the time. We have people, but it, this is the Super Bowl. And so, I mean, you've got football teams here in New York. So they know the game. They appreciate the game, obviously, just like you do in New Orleans. Um, there are things that they're going to do specific to the Super Bowl. Like they've got what they call like a Super Bowl boulevard where they've blocked off Oh, I want to say six or eight blocks along Madison Avenue, and there would be all sorts of things to do, Super Bowl-related. I think that might be where the NFL experience will be, but if not, there are going to be those types of things where people can interact and you know, just really kind of get into the, you know, the, the festive uh, flavor of the Super Bowl. So they'll, they'll be that. And then, you know, you can just go around different places in New York, and it doesn't have to be a Super Bowl. Maybe you want to go to the theater or you just want to do some other types of, you know, sightseeing. All of that is here, too. Jared Bell, the NFL uh, columnist for the USA Today, is uh, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Jared, let's get down to the work part of this deal. Um, how do you get your arms around all the storylines that are involved in the Super Bowl week? Uh, and now you throw in weather, too, is a, is a storyline we don't commonly talk about during the Super Bowl. Take me about how you're going to tackle this thing this week. <laughs> One story at a time, okay? Um, the fact that there are, you know, 
two new teams, if you will, in the Super Bowl. I mean, we don't have the Patriots again, so <laughs> not to worry about repeating those storylines. I think it's kind of refreshing. You have a team like Seattle that has no players with any Super Bowl experience, right? So these are all new stories from a Super Bowl national perspective. I mean, some of these stories we've talked about, obviously, as the Seahawks have been pretty good over the past couple of years. So we've talked about Russell Williams, but you with Russell uh, Wilson, but you can go a bit deeper now and, and maybe get a different angle. Richard Sherman obviously is a story um, because of his personality, but there are different sides to that and different dimensions, obviously. And you can go up and down the roster and, and see things. I mean, their defense is phenomenal, right? And if there was not the Richard Sherman controversy following this team into the Super Bowl, I think one of the things we'll be talking about is just really how good this defense is. And I think uh, you have to go back to maybe the 85 Bears to find a defense that statistically uh, allowed the fewest points, fewest yards, had the most turnovers. So that's pretty special in itself. But they, they, they may not get the attention that some of the great defenses have had because their personality beyond Richard Sherman is, you know, maybe not as exciting as the 85 Bears. You know, Jarrett, having seen both these teams this season, or have you seen much of Denver this season? I know we you, you've been, you know, kind of NFC-centric from our perspective. We know you've seen the Saints a few times and saw you in Seattle, but have you seen much of Denver? And, and what are your impressions, of, I guess, of both of these teams heading in and who might have which advantage? Yeah, yeah, I saw uh, Denver three times this year, and I think I saw Seattle three times this year too. I picked Denver – um, which, you know, historically when a big-time offense plays a big-time defense, the defense usually wins, right? Um, so, you know, defense wins championships, the, you know, take a good defense to slow down a good offense. All of that is in play here, right? But I think the Broncos and Peyton Manning have multiple weapons that they can really use to find the weakness in the Seattle defense. And that's not going to be easy by any means, but I think the thing that Peyton has done, he's been able to spread the football around. The Broncos had four uh, receivers, including the tight end Julius Thomas, who had at least 10 touchdowns. No team in NFL history has ever had that with that many players. And what that tells you is that when they get to the red area, it's not so much about just trying to find one of the, the Thomases or Wes Welker hey, it's find the open guy. So I tell you, from my standpoint, I'm going to be very interested to see where Peyton really tries to find the matchup that's the money matchup on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, on the other hand, the Seahawks have a chance to win this thing too, obviously, because they're here, number one, they're a good team, and they've got Marshawn Lynch to really take the pressure off of Russell Wilson, and then Russell Wilson can do things, as you know, when all goes haywire and plays break down he can be at his best they don't throw the ball a lot I think Russell Wilson had the fewest pass attempts of any quarterback in football but they're still so dangerous in the passing game because they like to throw it deep downfield you know, Jared how, how crazy does this week get for you I mean personally we know uh, it, it gets to be a zoo for the players but I mean I, I don't think a lot of people kind of appreciate the job that the people who are covering this game have to do especially on media day when you get uh people from MTV and all assorted places, you know, running around asking some things that are pretty stupid. But <laughs> just... Yeah, you know what, though, John? It's not that bad. And I think part of it is because I've done this for a while. 
my first Super Bowl was Super Bowl 22 with Doug Williams, right? And I've been to just about every one since then. I think I missed a couple back in, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. I know I've missed a couple, but um, I've been to 20-something Super Bowls, so I kind of know the drill. And I think for me, the the idea is not to try to do too much. I can't write every story. So I try to zero in on five, six, seven, eight, as many as ten, maybe a couple little shorty items or something that interests me and, and kind of fit into what we try to do. And I find that I'm able to get that done. Um, different people, from a media standpoint, have different obligations and different platforms and different forms of media. So everything kind of depends on what you have to do. Be it and, and in this age now, you are probably doing multiple things from you know television, uh, online videos, uh, tweeting, and all of that. So I could probably there's room for me to grow even with everything I just said. <laughs> I could tweet more. I could do more videos. All that kind of stuff. Just because the the industry has changed, but um, I think I, you know, I, I try to come in here having an idea of stories that I, I want to pursue. But then the other thing that happens, as is the case, really, just in covering anything, you know, from a media standpoint, is that you learn more as you dig into certain stories. So some things that you you don't know, you're going to find out just in, in terms of. Um, you know, being around the team, you know, from the standpoint of being around the teams and learning things. So there's always uh, that. And then, of course, the unexpected. You know, <laughs> last year it was deer antler spray. <laughs> the <That's laughs> right. Unexpected story. We knew Ray Lewis was on his last ride, but we didn't know about the deer antler spray stuff. So um, there's still time for something to kind of come out of the woodworks um, besides the weather that will give us a different storyline as this week progresses. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up. You know, in politics, what do they call it, the October surprise? There's always something in October. <laughs> what what day during Super Bowl week do you expect to have that surprise, you think? Yeah, now that that's that's a, a good question because sometimes it's it hasn't broken until Sunday morning, Eugene Robinson, or Friday <laughs> or Saturday, Barrett Robbins, right? <laughs> Last year it was, it was a bit earlier with Ray Lewis – and that situation um, kind of exploding, I want to say, Monday or Tuesday. So it can be difficult. You know, sometimes it may be middle of the week if a guy, you know, misses curfew and then all of a sudden there's a story there. So that's the surprise part of the Super Bowl surprise is that you really can't predict when these stories are going to break. So if it's Sunday morning and everybody's accounted for, I guess it's really been a good week for the teams involved. And maybe not so much for the media. As a national columnist, do you pick a winner? Yeah, yeah, I pick Denver. Okay. Yeah. And I think Peyton Manning will be the one that will make a difference. I just have so much respect for, for him and what he's been able to do. And I know there's been a lot of conversation about how well he plays in the cold weather. And I think somebody put a stat out saying he's 0-4 in the playoffs in cold weather. I don't pay much attention to to that stat because it's a small sample size. And 0-4 was when he was going to Foxborough playing the number one seed, you know, Patriots and, you know, at Gillette Stadium, right? So at least for a couple of those losses, and then I'm sure there were a couple others here and there. Oh, they, they lost last year to Denver, I mean to uh, Baltimore and Denver. Um, but I think you put him against the defense, he will find a way to get it done. Interesting. One last question for you, unless John has something else here. And uh, I did, you know what? The one one more thing to yeah. add. You know, Denver's defense has played better than 
they were earlier in the season, obviously. Terrence Knighton, a.k.a. Pop Rose, has been a beast. <laughs> and he's going to match up against the beast mode in Marshawn Lynch. But their run defense is something that has quietly um, really kind of become a, more of a strength as the season has progressed. And, you know, not having Von Miller on that defense is, was a big blow, obviously. They've recovered. I, I'm thinking blowout here, Jarrett. I really am. I know a lot of people are saying a close game, but I think Denver in a blowout. Wow. Yeah, wow. I, I just I don't know. I could I, hey, I get the change, right? I can change this as the week progresses. Yeah, and hey, yeah. you know, as long as you don't put a whole lot of money on it. No, I, I'm not that great. It's all in good fun. One last thing, Jared Bell from USA Today. Let me ask you this. You've covered so many of these Super Bowls in person. If you weren't being paid to cover it this week, would you rather see the Super Bowl in person or on a television? Uh, this week, uh, if I was like a fan, oh, I think I'd rather be watching it on TV. But most times – I wouldn't mind being in a stadium, but, you know, this time we're talking about, what, 20 degrees and something like that. So, yeah, you can have yeah, that. Count, yeah, TV's fine. All right. Hey, uh, I know that's – press box. Yes. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Twitter, uh, and I know you want to be better at it, but let's help you with some followers. What, where can we find you on Twitter, Jared? Oh, at Jared Bell. Perfect. That's easy Pretty enough. Yep. Jared doesn't need any more followers. And, by the way, I'm going to differ from you guys on the pick. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I – even though I, I believe Peyton's going to have a great game, but there's something about Russell Wilson that I've just been impressed with a couple of times this year. Okay. Yeah, he's uh-huh. unflappable. I will say that. Um, a, a real cool customer, and you need that, especially for a young quarterback. So he seems to be, you know, more mature than his age would suggest. And, you, you know, you really have a lot of respect for guys like that. going to be fun. It's going to be fun fun, as we all know. Hey, enjoy the week in Manhattan and over in New Jersey. Uh, Jared, I know that you're swamped, and it really means a lot to us that you were able to come on here on this Monday. Okay, no no worries. I appreciate you guys having me. Jared Bell, thank you, sir. National columnist for USA Today here with us on the Black and Blue Report. He's right in the thick of it covering the Super Bowl, featuring, of course, Denver and Seattle. Football is still on our mind when we come back here on the Black and Blue Report. The executive director of the Senior Bowl, Phil Savage, is our guest. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Okay. You've just been told you have a serious heart issue. Congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center as the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an Auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report with John DeShazer. I'm Sean Kelly. Of course, John last week was in Mobile, Alabama as a part of the uh, Senior Bowl, covering it for NewOrleansSaints.com. And we wanted to talk Senior Bowl and kind of put a wrap on the Reese's Senior Bowl here on this Monday. And to help us do that, we went right to the top. Phil Savage is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. He's a former NFL uh, college, or excuse me, an NFL coach, scout, administrator. He's done about everything in the game. Uh, he's got a Super Bowl ring too, if I uh, if I have that right, Phil, with the Ravens. Am I correct? 
That's correct. Super Bowl ring with the Ravens, and then uh, three BCS championship rings as the color analyst for Alabama. So I didn't major in one area. I've minored in a bunch of different subjects. My goodness, you you have to have quite the uh, safety deposit box there with uh, four championship rings uh, in tow. Um, hey, Phil, you know, as it is Super Bowl week, do you get that twinge, seeing as you've been a part of it before? Do you do you have fond memories of the week leading up to the big game? Uh, it's one of the highlights of your career if you're fortunate enough to go. But as someone said, if you go, you've got to win because uh, the the week is – dampened a bit if you don't win that game and we were fortunate enough with the Ravens back in 2000 to to defeat the New York Giants but I tell my friends that are part of the Seahawks and part of the Broncos enjoy the ride Uh, you don't know when you'll get back it's no guarantee and as you guys know uh, it's something special uh, when you actually go there and win the Super Bowl championship And, and you guys were part of that with the Saints a few years ago. How do you see this one going? You're going to take the Broncos or the Seahawks? You got a you got a horse in the race here? I'll be honest, guys. I kind of shut down from the NFL once uh, the AFC and NFC championship games were set because we were so focused on the Reese's Senior Bowl stuff. Uh, but I did see Seattle defeat the Giants in uh, MetLife Stadium back in December. Uh, I thought that they had maybe peaked a little bit earlier in the season, but they seemed to rally up here in the playoffs, particularly against the Niners uh, uh, last weekend. Uh, With the Broncos, they've had a season for the ages. Of course, Peyton has played as good a football as he's ever played. They've got five receivers. That balance with the double-digit touchdowns from five different receivers to me, that may end up being the difference. Uh, the Broncos just put so much pressure on you because they literally seem to score at least a touchdown or a field goal on every possession. Sounds like you're uh, on it more than you're playing it out to be. That's for sure. Um, I, I'm with you. I like I like Denver, too. Uh, Phil Savage, our guest here, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, coming to us uh, from Mobile, Alabama, on this on this Monday. All right, two of them under your belt now, Phil. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to how you'll answer this question, but what is the measurement of success for the Reese's Senior Bowl? Uh, I would say probably a couple of different areas. Uh, starting locally, you know, we were so pleased with the turnout for our game. We had 37,914 show up for the game. We had literally thousands outside of Lad People Stadium. So uh, another terrific Senior Bowl Saturday from that standpoint. Uh, I think the next level of uh, measurement is probably the degree of what the players get out of the week. And I probably shook hands with at least 60 of them uh, either after the game or as they were leaving uh, Saturday night and Sunday. And and to a man, every one of them was appreciative of the opportunity. They felt like they got a lot more out of the week than they ever expected in terms of not only the exposure and being coached by NFL staffs, but uh, the interviews with basically 31 other teams since they were playing for for either the Falcons or the Jags. And then some of the -the off-the-field activities that we've incorporated, the the community service, community outreach day on Thursday. Uh, We had one of New Orleans' own, Aeneas Williams, uh, as our guest speaker at the banquet on Thursday night. I thought his words, uh, if taken to heart, would really be an excellent roadmap of instruction for these players as they make that transition. And then I think the third measurement for us would be the level of satisfaction from the 32 clubs themselves. 
in terms of what they are able to accomplish uh, literally from Sunday through Wednesday night or, or primarily the, the NFL days. And uh, on Friday I got text messages from probably five general managers uh, that were just so satisfied with what they got out of the week. So all in all, I think those are the, those are the ways that we try to service uh, our local community, the Gulf Coast football fans, the players themselves, and then the 32 NFL teams. You know, Phil, as, as Sean mentioned, you've seen this game from just about every angle you can you can imagine. Are you still into the player evaluation part of it? And if so, uh, which players kind of impress you this this Senior Bowl week? You know, it's uh, it's funny you ask that because the very first staff meeting that we had when I got here in June of 2012, I said, you know, there's really no reason that the Senior Bowl can't be. Uh, like a 33rd NFL franchise in terms of uh, building a watch list over the summer, uh, going out and actually uh, evaluating the players, and let's really try to get the top 100 seniors uh, to Mobile uh, through our own eyes, through the vision of the connections that I have in the league. And so I've stayed very close to player personnel and scouting. I visited probably 25 schools this fall in terms of trying to build out this roster for the game. And we will continue to track and monitor uh, the players through the combine, their pro days, and on up through the draft. And you can find and see all of the things that we write and put on video at SeniorBowl.com. Uh, but, yeah, I've stayed very close to the, to the evaluation process. And, and in saying that, I think the player that helped himself the most at Senior Bowl week was D Ford. Uh, the defensive end from Auburn, you know, he's a player that was injured early in the year, did not get into the lineup until October, uh, and finished the year with eight and a half sacks, played extremely well against Alabama and Florida State in the BCS title game, and then continued with that momentum here in the practices and then capped it off with a two-sack performance on Saturday afternoon. Now, of course, here locally, we had a couple of kids there that um, we are interested in, obviously. A couple of kids from LSU, uh, the linebacker, Lamine Barrow, uh, the safety, Craig Lofton, and also the wide receiver from Tulane, Ryan Grant, um, three guys who are trying to um, obviously show their wares and, and, and get to the to a point where they're draftable players and, and those kinds of things. Did you take notice of those three guys? And if so, did anything stand out about them? Well, with Lamine Barrow, you know, he, he's got a, a history. Of, there's a history of LSU linebackers that have been mid to late round type of picks that have come in and shown some versatility at the linebacker position and then played on special teams. And I thought he did a nice job this week. He showed up uh, in the practices around the football. Uh, Craig Lawson, I think that the biggest question on Craig is his coverability. You know, the days of the strong safety type athlete have really – been diminished in the NFL because the safety has to be able to cover a third wide receiver or one of these uh, athletic uh, tight ends. And, of course, he had an interception in the game, ranged over and, and intercepted the pass from Taj Boyd that was uh, underthrown down the field. So I think he felt like that he had a good week. And uh, Ryan Grant has been one of my sleeper-type uh, prospects all fall. I think he's uh, got tremendous hands. He's got excellent savvy. He can play in the slot. He understands how to get open and stay open. And although he didn't have uh, many targets on Saturday during the course of the week, I thought he stood out and separated himself a little bit from the pack because of that athletic skill, the hands, and just the uh, overall 
understanding of the game. Phil Savage, the executive director of the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report. Phil, let me ask you this. Um, in most of the sports now, their all-star game, if you will, is a patty cake version of their sport. The NBA, the NFL with the Pro Bowl, even the Major League Baseball all-star game, even with the implications that come with uh, winning that game. Uh, your your senior bowl, in a sense, is an all-star game for the seniors coming out. But at the same time, how do you balance having enough physical play in the practice and the games for fair evaluation? And how do you balance that with keeping guys, you know, from getting nicked up in, in what is a showcase game? Well, when you talk about the other all-star games, I mean, those are situations where those players have reached the, the ultimate uh zenith of their careers in terms of being established stars in their respective sport. You know, this is a situation, and we do have to balance the idea of this being an all-star game, but also a pre-draft evaluation tool for the 32 NFL clubs. And what we try to do is uh, the Monday and Thursday practices are dialed back, Monday being kind of an intro day, uh, Thursday being kind of a special teams type of day. But Tuesday and Wednesday, those are the two days uh, that are as lifelike and NFL-like of an NFL training camp practice as you're going to see. And the emphasis is really on the one-on-ones, not so much the team and nine-on-seven and seven-on-seven stuff, but the one-on-ones. And those are the tapes that will be analyzed and watched from, you know, right now all the way through uh, the draft uh, period and the draft itself, May the 8th. So, uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for the player to really showcase his individual talent, his individual skill. I thought Mike Smith, the coach for the Falcons, and Gus Bradley, the coach for the Jags, really embraced the idea of, yeah, we're trying to, to build a team here and, and put some plays together. But the most important thing is to have these players get a chance to really put on display what their capabilities are. And I thought they did an excellent job at that. Of course, we did have one significant injury. Aaron Colvin, the corner from Oklahoma, did tear his ACL in practice on Wednesday in a coverage drill one-on-one just absolutely in the open space. And it's a situation that could have occurred in training at the combine uh, in a game itself. So uh, I think we were fortunate that Dr. James Andrews is within an hour of us here when he is uh, in Pensacola. And as a matter of fact, I think Aaron will have his uh, surgery tomorrow. And I think his agent, Ken Sonoff, uh, is, a, is an advocate of the Senior Bowl. These kinds of things can happen. But uh, unfortunately for Aaron, he went down. But for the better part of the other 109 players, nothing of real note. They'll all be healthy and ready to go for the combine. Phil, I appreciate your time today. Um, one last question before I let you go. From an NFL evaluator standpoint, because you've been one of them, the advantages to the Senior Bowl over the Combine itself, or is it apples and oranges? Well, it's really two different uh, properties, so to speak. You know, the thing about the Senior Bowl is this is it's, it's a chance for the players to make a first impression uh, off the field because in many cases it's the first time that the player has actually met the NFL scouts and, and general managers and coaches, because oftentimes when you go to LSU or you go to Alabama or Florida State, uh, you see video, you talk to the coaches and the staff members, but you don't meet the player himself. So that first impression goes a long way. And then the lasting impression of being in 
football in a football uniform and playing in a game can certainly generate some momentum for a player as he goes to the spring. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, Karan Reed, the defensive tackle from Princeton, uh, during the week was just okay. But as he adjusted to the level of competition, by Saturday, he had two sacks in the game. He's a player that I think really rose in the minds and in the eyes of the NFL teams. And uh, it's a different evaluation altogether. The combine, at least in my experience over the years, was really a situation where you were hoping to get confirmation from a number standpoint of what you were seeing in this, these players uh, from the fall. In other words, if you expected a player to run 4-5, and he runs 4-5-2, then that's a checkoff. Uh, if you expect him to run 4-8, and all of a sudden he runs 5-2, then that's a problem. And uh, the measurables oftentimes really just kind of put the period on the end of the sentence for many of these players. But beyond all that, the combine, from a medical standpoint, is really the number one item uh, that the teams get out of that experience in Indy coming up at the end of uh, this next month. Well, I learned a lot about the difference between the two. I think that makes a total, uh, a lot of sense, uh, a real total look at how this uh, process goes for these young men. Phil, uh, congratulations on another successful uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. I know that Mickey Loomis and his staff enjoy their time every year over there in Mobile. Keep up the good work, and uh, hopefully there's some rest coming your way. Well, thank you, uh we were prepared to say, hey, you just ran the Senior Bowl. What's next? And we're going to Disney World. So <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. We'll head down to Orlando actually next week. So All looking right. forward to that. Congratulations. Thanks for your time today, Phil, and uh, have a great trip. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Phil Savage, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. That kind of puts a wrap on that. And our focus now turns toward the Super Bowl this week up at MetLife Stadium. More on today's version of the Black and Blue Report right after this quick timeout. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand, that's the power of people. Entergy. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Saturday, February 1st, when the Chicago Bulls come to town. Tip-offs at 7 p.m. with the first 10,000 fans receiving a free T-shirt courtesy of Morris Bart. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30, featuring live music, the Zataran Season Ticket Garden, and interactive games for the kids. Tickets are limited and are available by visiting pelicans.com today. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, Jabari Greer is our guest. The Saints cornerback will uh, update us on where things stand with his knee injury and we'll also get his thoughts on Super Bowl week and media day. Tomorrow is media day for the uh, Super Bowl participants up in New York. That'll be an interesting conversation. We'll also preview tomorrow night's uh, Cavaliers-Pelicans game, a part of our Tuesday show tomorrow. John DeShazer is our co-host today. You can follow him on Twitter at John DeShazer, uh, J-O-H-N-D-E-S-H-A-Z-I-E-R. 
right? That's fine. Okay. I've, I've been called a lot worse, and it's been spelled a lot worse. So. You think as much time as you and I have spent together, I could get it right. <laughs> uh, I'm Sean Kelly. You can follow me at Sean Kelly Live. And, of course, this program is gaining momentum on Twitter with their handle, at Black Blue Reports. Uh, producer Dan is in charge of that. It's the best way to find out who's going to be on the show if the show's up and ready to go, which uh, normally is just after noon central on weekdays. We call it No Appointment Radio, and it's yours all this week as we preview the Super Bowl and uh, continue, hopefully, on a roll here with the Pelicans, too. Final thoughts for you. Good visits today from our guests, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, interesting talking to Jared about the uh, Super Bowl. He's been around for quite some time, and uh, I really you know, didn't know how many Super Bowls he had been to, but you know, he is certainly uh, a veteran of, of covering Super Bowls and, and Phil Savage, you know, his expertise about the senior bowl, really uh, impressive. He, you know, he, he was the league exec for a couple of teams and, you know, just his knowledge was able to draw in some, some pretty high caliber players to the senior bowl in Mobile. Is Anthony Davis an all-star by the end of the week? If he's not, it's hard to call it highway robbery because the West is pretty stacked at four, but I mean, certainly he has earned a position on that team. He has earned his keep. Uh, the kid keeps getting better, and and to, I think it would be a nice gesture. You know, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't necessarily be charity to put him on the team. He he's earned it. He's a twenty and ten guy who leads the league in blocks. One of the most exciting young players in the league. Uh, a member of Team USA. So yeah, I think he's earned his stripes. Yeah, I hope so. I hope we have good news on Thursday night about that. Pelicans won't be home again until Saturday against the Chicago Bulls. I'm told there is a limited amount of tickets left for that game. It is a hot seller. Uh, going into the weekend. It also can be yours as a part of the Valentine's three-game pack. I bring this up because it's a fantastic uh, package. Uh, of course, if you want to give it as a gift, but you know, if you'd like to you know, treat yourself, uh, why not? Three games, two tickets to each of those games. They're of your choosing, which could include so the uh, Chicago game this weekend. And then uh, Woodhouse Day Spa is our, uh, is our sponsor for that. Yeah, Woodhouse Day Spa. They're going to throw in a $25 gift card if you purchase the pack, and it starts as low as 54 bucks, So that is can be yours this week. I uh, might want to get on that, 504-525-HOOP or pelicans.com. Tomorrow again, Jabari Greer, Pelicans preview, a whole lot more. Our Super Bowl week coverage continues here on the Black and Blue Report. Thank you, sir. I'll see you when I get back from the uh, frigid north. Yes, you will. I'll be freezing here. I thought it was going to be a little bit you know, more tropical, but I guess not. All right, fair enough. And producer Dan, thank you as well today. Our guest, Jared Bell, gracious enough to join us from USA Today. Phil Savage, as we mentioned, and of course, Anthony Davis. Good show, good start to the week. Hope to see you right back here on Tuesday's edition of the Black and Blue Report, right here on NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, the two-team mobile apps, and of course, it's yours for free and downloadable from iTunes or your mobile device. I'm Sean Kelly, and until tomorrow, right here on the Black and Blue Report, so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.